0: Hey, it's Ben Hernandez, and you're listening to episode two of I've Been Thinking. This is the first episode in a series I'm calling Brown Town. In this series, I'll cover what the brown experience is in America today from the perspective of, you guessed it, brown people. Be they Latino, Arab, Indian, Pakistani, you name it. In volume one, I want to talk to you about my own journey to identity wokeness and the way that my brownness has impacted me, both positively and negatively, in my life. With that, here's volume one of Brown Town. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've gotten the question, what are you? To be honest, I've never really been that offended by the question, but I've often struggled to know how to respond. I'm about five, six, have dark brown eyes, dark olive skin, and when I had hair, it was dark brown with streaks of the occasional red. I have a beard and big bushy eyebrows. A friend, who shall remain nameless, once described me as prototypically not from here, but vaguely a lot of things. My mother was born in California to a Mexican-American father, he was born in El Paso, and a Mexican mother. My father was born in Guatemala to Salvadorian parents. My parents met in college in Malibu, California, and after graduating, decided to move to Honduras to become Church of Christ missionaries in the late 70s. Upon my birth to an American mother and Guatemalan father in Honduras, with my birth certificate showing my full given name, Benjamín Hernández Tornero, I was granted dual American and Honduran citizenship until the age of 18. And upon moving to Texas, when I was five, I was left with several identities that I could have chosen to take on. Here's my dad.
1: Uh, One time, uh, I don't remember exactly the setting of this conversation, but uh, there was one time when you said, when I grow up, I want to be a Mexican. The complexity in answering this seemingly
0: simple personal identity question is in the details. Namely, the fact that most people don't really know the difference between ethnicity, culture, and race. To tell you the truth, I didn't either until more recently. For the sake of you who don't know, or who are too afraid to ask, as I was, (laughs) allow me to unpack this. Ethnicity is a population group whose members identify with each other on the basis of common nationality or shared cultural traditions. This is important because ethnicity connotes shared cultural traits and shared group history. Some ethnic groups also share language, religions, while others share common history, but not common language or religion. Think Latino or Polynesian. Culture, on the other hand, is a collection of ideas, customs, and social behavior of a particular group of people or society. Unlike ethnicity, it can't be identified by how you look, but rather identified more by customs, rituals, and traditions that a person follows. Think people who identify as being from the South or from back East. And finally, race. Race is the concept of dividing people into population groups on the basis of various sets of physical characteristics, usually as a result of genetic ancestry. This is important because it presumes shared biological or genetic traits, whether actual or asserted. This is basically what the US Census asks you to identify yourself as. White, black, African American, Asian, American Indian, Alaska Native, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander. Side note about race, it didn't strike me until recently that in order to call yourself white on the U.S. Census, you must have origins in any of the original peoples of Europe, the Middle East, North Africa. To put a finer point on it, I'm white, y'all. Armed with this new knowledge and the fact that I hate feeling misrepresented ever, my answer might come off like recounting my entire life story. I could be Latino, Latinx, Honduran, Mexican, Guatemalan, Salvadorian, American, Texan, and yes, white. But here's my dirty little secret. For most of my life, I didn't really feel a strong personal connection to any of them. While I'm not mixed race, remember I'm white, I feel conflicted. My mental model for who I am is more often Ben Affleck than Ben Hernandez. Again, my dad.
1: Uh, So when we came back to the U.S. uh, for good, back in 1988, uh, you were very fluent in both English and Spanish. Uh, Your your teacher in preschool used to call you uh, El Viejo, the, the old man. Uh, because uh, you were uh, you were very mature in your thinking and how you articulated words and how you articulated sentences. And uh, then when we came, uh, it was a, a big of a shock because uh, at home we spoke both English and Spanish, uh, but when you started going to school, to elementary school, you were five years at the time that we came. So when you started school, uh, you realized that... Uh, uh, Spanish was not something that everybody spoke and uh, and then there was uh, a lot of pressure uh, on your part and on the part of others and maybe self-consciousness, you know, you've always been very self-conscious of, uh, of yourself and uh, uh, you started uh, avoiding speaking uh, Spanish and uh, we wanted you to keep Spanish as a second language because uh, it is uh, always uh, a good thing to, to be bilingual, especially in, in, in a state like Texas. Uh, however, um, uh, the, because of the pressure at school and uh, because uh, uh, practically every class that you had was in, in English, I'm sorry, then uh, uh, you started using more English than Spanish and we kind of accommodated to, to you as well, and uh, we were not uh, asking you to speak Spanish anymore, and uh, you kind of chose to, to use English as your primary language.
0: My grasp of my mother tongue was stalled and eventually deteriorated. Today, I can understand most Spanish when spoken to me, but my ability to respond just isn't there. Being around, the generally white conservative culture of my church, my only examples of, quote, non-white kids was in school. And most of them did not have the same background and values as me. I saw what the culturally expected me was and kind of wanted nothing to do with it. Unlike many of those kids, my parents had college degrees. They were very involved in all aspects of my education and both lived at home with me. For better or worse, this made me a bit of an outsider and maybe a snob amongst some of my school peers. Nonetheless, I did make friends, mostly white, and had a pretty normal life where the realization that I was maybe different than the people who I chose to surround myself with rarely struck me, and if it did, it was fleeting. I was content being me, despite what the world saw me as. The first time I encountered, let's call it closeted racism, was in the year following our family making a big move from the safe bubble of small town Abilene to the big city of Austin, Texas. I was going to the seventh grade. I was attending a new school, going to a new church where people hadn't known me most of my life. It was there that I first encountered what felt like a truly different experience with friends, namely the white ones. It was innocent. I don't remember the exact joke that was made, but I do remember an older girl in my church youth group saying to the boy that had made the joke, quote, don't say that in mixed company. Using context clues, I quickly realized what she meant. I made it mixed. That really stuck with me. But despite the occasional reminder that I was different than my white peers. I pretty much spent the next six years creating an identity for myself that was in many ways not burdened by racial or ethnic expectations. By the time I graduated high school, I was either your token brown friend or that stuck up wannabe white Mexican dude who didn't want to be in your quinceanera party because he only dates white girls and he knows you have a crush on him. I digress. By all accounts, I was a man without an identity in the traditional sense, and I kind of liked it that way. College was much more the same. I went to a small Christian college back in Abilene and surrounded myself with more, well, white people, and honestly thrived. The idea that anyone truly saw me as different crept in when I would look at pictures or That one time I did go on a date with a Mexican-American girl who was quite proud of her heritage. I felt instantly like an outsider to her and to her culture, a culture that, in many ways, we could have shared. Fast forward to today. I'm married to, surprise, a white woman, who I love very much. We have a three-year-old daughter and we live in Dallas, Texas. Our family's identity has been influenced by many things, not the least of which has been my very ethnic background and upbringing. Interestingly, my wife and I share a lot of culture, despite having very different genetic makeups and childhoods, which is why I think it works. Here's my wife, Courtney, talking about her experiences with our joint family culture and heritage.
2: Being, being Hernandez, um... I don't know, like, I, I didn't come with any expectation that people would think I was Hispanic or people would make any judgment about me being able to speak Spanish or, or because I am I, I'm super white, like, I look really white because where I work, I, I'm advising students, but I'm just advising them over the phone, and if they have me as their advisor, then when they log into their homepage, they see a picture of me, so they know what I look like. But when I was working in admissions, there was never a time that they saw my picture. And so I'd be they, just corresponding with them over the phone and via email. And once the student was just talking about the reason why she wanted to get her doctorate, it was about uh, you know, making this huge step forward in her life, making a change uh, for the better. And her, she was really passionate about women of color taking that next step and getting that terminal degree and said in, in our conversation. She was like, you know, yeah, you and me, Courtney, like was we women of color have to stick together. Like in that moment, I thought, Ugh.
0: Being a parent to a daughter who will grow up with this multicultural identity slash ethnicity presents itself with challenges and opportunities. Everything from the language that we choose to speak around her to the way she will ultimately think of herself is a consideration. Again, Courtney.
2: You know, but I think when I think of Isla, like Isla doesn't look Hispanic at all. She looks super white. You know, she looks like a little mini me. Um, but she is Hispanic. If, if that, so she's like 50% of you. And so she actually has this heritage, but will she be passing as white her entire life? Like she'll probably, well, and she'll probably speak better Spanish than me if we go to this dual language program we're hoping to put her through.
0: Professionally, I work in technology, more specifically startups an industry that is not really known for having a large population of Latino and Latinx employees. Again, most of my experience there has been colored by my all-but-ethno-agnostic approach to life, but at times I just have to wonder how much my being different has played a role in my career. Have I gotten or not gotten jobs before because of it? Likely. Has my distinct heritage and surname been a reason that I've been given a pass on certain things? Honestly, yes. As much as it pains me to admit, I know that being a relatively well-spoken, approachable Latino male in tech has been a net positive for my career. And even more insulting to the person that I see myself as is the fact that I have likely benefited at least once or twice from affirmative action. Yes, I'll admit that my get off my lawn middle-aged white guy trapped inside my body sensibility has, until recently, railed at the entire concept. That plus a lot of things that are bundled up in my identity that have taken a long time for me to get comfortable with are all there. So what's changed?
1: Now, I want to build the wall. We need the wall.
0: The Border Patrol, ICE, they all want the wall.
1: They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some I assume are good people.
0: But we have some bad hombres here and we're going to get them out.
1: We will make America great again. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America.
0: Not to put too fine a point on it, but after the 2016 election, we don't have the luxury of not picking sides anymore. And if we don't pick, you'll be assigned one. This hit me hard in the months leading up to and after the election of Donald Trump. My once passive view on politics was forced to take a hard left turn against the view that didn't align with my values, that ultimately didn't align with me and who I and my family are at our core. Here's Courtney again.
2: It's different. I mean, I, I there was a time where I commented. I mean, this. I mean, starting with the, it was a terrible idea to comment on Ted Cruz's public Facebook page about uh, Planned Parenthood. So like mistake number one. Uh, but the com- like the vitriol of the comments, I expected, but I did not expect somebody to tell me to go back to Mexico when my fa- my Facebook profile is still there and it's just like my super white face.
0: Well, luckily for me and my family, that's about the worst discrimination we experienced related to what's happening in society today. But I know that others aren't as fortunate. For me personally, the things that I used to take for granted, the assumption of how those around me viewed me is no longer assumed.
1: That, that awareness of, uh, of uh, the differences in culture, you know, in, uh, coming back to the US was not really something that you have experienced that, uh, to my estimation. On the other hand, um, I think that uh, both uh, mom and I were uh, facing other circumstances.
0: While my whole life, in my head, I had basically run away from who my parents are, their language, their family customs, and even their physical identity, I couldn't ignore it anymore. Finally talking to my parents about what their life was like when I was growing up made me realize something. It's always been there. The dirty looks, the -the under-the-breath comments, the asking my mom if she was a custodian in her
1: classroom. Uh, With mom, uh, she started working at a Christian school. There were situations when the parents, white parents, because most of the children were white, they came and would ask her, where is the teacher? You know, and she was the teacher. You know, so there was that marked assumption that uh, uh, teachers had to be white. Instead that you know they, they these people did not conceive the possibility that she could be the teacher being that she was not white.
0: It's hard to believe that I didn't see it. That I was that blind, that self-involved, that ignorant. It's weird to think that it took this brown guy from Texas almost thirty-five years to finally get woke about his place in society and how society views him, but it has. The rose-colored glasses are off, and I can see clearer than I ever have. While I still don't know the best way to answer the question about who I am, I'm not ashamed of owning any part of it, even if it's simply Mexican.